welcome in to the mashup here number one giving it everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and the Super Bowl and therefore the entire NFL season have come and gone. And yeah, the Los Angeles Rams are your Super Bowl champions. I forgot the number of this Super Bowl. I honestly stopped counting after 50. I want to say this one's 56. What, what Super Bowl just ended? LVI. Yeah, that is... Uh, LVI is actually... Wait. Six? No, 56. Yeah, 56. LVI. L55V5I1. Yeah, 56. Okay, I guessed and I was correct. <laughs> God, remember when we had cool creative logos for all the uh, all the Super Bowls? Then after like 40, they've just all been super generic Roman numerals with the Lombardi trophy in the middle. Bring back creative Super Bowl logos. Anyway, that is not this discussion. This discussion is the actual game itself and everything surrounding it because, you know, I may like sports, but I'm also a big freaking nerd. For both production and video games and Marvel movies, if you couldn't tell by my Twitter. So, the game itself... The game itself was phenomenal. Like, this has been a very good NFL playoffs. Everything after the divisional round. Everything divisional round and beyond. Wildcard weekend sucked. Divisional round was really good. Champ weekend was incredible. And the Super Bowl was really good. I personally think I personally think Champ Weekend might have been a tiny bit better than than the Super Bowl itself, but that's also two game uh, like a two games better than one. Both of them went to overtime or no, one of them went to overtime, the other one was like a last second thing. And sure, this Super Bowl came down to the wire, but it came down to the wire on a huge defensive play. Like, and it came down to Eli Apple getting burned like a piece of toast again, which everyone, the entire NFL coming out to roast him was absolutely incredible because he's so wildly inconsistent as a player that he does not have the clout to shit talk to the level which he does. And of course, when you talk that much trash on Twitter, everyone is going to come for you. And of course, in their typical, incredibly savage fashion, uh, Jimmy's created Jimmy seafood. Shout out. Hey guys, maybe uh, sponsor me because uh, you guys are awesome. And I love basically everything on your menu. But let me let me find it because it was absolutely incredible. There it is. This was their special for Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. Today's special, the Eli Apple. Two pieces of burnt toast topped with apple slices and a side of fries. Nah, now I would not actually order this one because if you go to Jimmy's seafood and you order two pieces of burnt toast covered in apples with an order of fries, you're doing something wrong. Uh, two, well, it would be hilarious to walk into Jimmy's 
and walk out saying, Hey, I only spent $10 and the most expensive thing I ordered was my drink. But, like, that is absolutely incredible that they just took the time to burn two pieces of toast, chop up an entire apple, and fry an order of fries. Like, you could go to their Twitter and see it. This is a real picture that is very clearly in their restaurant, because I know what they're, I consider myself an expert on fries, and I know what their fries look like. So shout out to Jimmy's for that incredible roast of Eli Apple. Uh, shout out to the entire NFL for just absolutely roasting him for uh, not being able to do anything to defend Cooper Cup when every single person in that building knew where Matt Stafford was going to throw the ball. It was going to number 10, the Super Bowl MVP. Now, some people would argue that that title should probably go to Aaron Donald. And I could see the argument for that. But it's really hard for a defensive player to win Super Bowl MVP in the modern NFL. Like, when was the last time? Let's let's just look at the list of of Super Bowl MVPs. Because I feel like the last time. Okay, here's the list of every Super Bowl MVP ever. Let's just look. Let's just look in the last in the last few years. Cooper Cup. Wide receiver, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Julian Edelman, Nick Foles, Tom Brady, Von Miller. Okay, so that's one. And that's going back to uh, Super Bowl 50, which was six years ago. So in the last six years, there have been one. Uh, In the last, uh, let's see, Tom Brady is seven years. Uh, Malcolm Smith, he was a linebacker for Seattle in the in the game against Denver. So that's what, eight years back? Nine years back is Joe Flacco, that hurts me to admit, and ten years is Eli Manning. So in the last ten years, two defensive players have won MVP. That's honestly better than I thought. But then you keep going back, Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Santanio Holmes, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, Heinz Ward, Deion Branch, Tom Brady, Oh, Dexter Jackson, cornerback, uh, Tom Brady, shocker, uh, Ray Lewis, Kurt Warner, and that would be, that would be 2000. So since 2000, Ray Lewis, Dexter Jackson, Malcolm Smith, and Von Miller, since 2000, Four people, four defensive players have won Super Bowl MVP. Two of them were in the last 10 years. So I get why maybe people think I I, like I thought Aaron Donald should have won it, too. It was between him and Cooper Cup. But like the man had the man had 92 yards. (laughs) The, the man had 92 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns, including the game winner. Like, you can't say he was a bad choice for MVP, even if even if Aaron Donald did probably deserve it more because he just made freakish play after freakish play, including the one that sealed the win for the Rams. 
that was a huge play, even if Alan Michaels' kind of underwhelming call of it kind of soured the moment a little bit. It was a very underwhelming call from Al Michaels at the end of that game. Like, I, I think just based on the way he was talking as he was signing off, it sounds like he might be retiring too. Cause he gave a, like a congratulatory message to Michelle Tafoya, who already announced she is retiring. I don't think Al Michaels is going to be too far behind. That's why NBC hired Mike Tirico. So that's why I think like Mike Tirico is not that old. I don't think Mike, Mike Tirico, how old, how old is he? Yeah, he's 55. He's got, like, Dick Vitale's almost 90. And up until last year, up until two years ago, he was still going strong. <laughs> like, up until last year, Dick Vitale was still going. And he's, and he's yeah, 82. Now, I, I also think it is time for him to hang it up, too. Like, he's... But that's again another discussion. But yeah, I think I think Al Michaels might be done. And the man has earned it. The man has a legendary career. He was he was talking about gambling on NFL broadcasts long before gambling was legal anywhere outside of Vegas. Like the man is an innovator. Heck, he's called he's the voice of one of the greatest moments in American history, let alone sports history. Like, and to his credit, he refuses to duplicate it for any reason at all. Like the man has, the man has been doing this for, I think almost for somewhere in the ballpark of 50 years. Like Al Michaels, how, how old he's 77. How long has he been doing this? Yeah. AB, he started working with ABC in 1977. That is 45 years. Years active, 1964. So he was doing it for another 13 before he got the job with ABC. Like, that's... That's how long... He has been doing this. He's been doing this since 1964. That is 58 years. I I think it's, I think it's time for, for him to hang him up. Like the man, just, just look at, just looking at his Wikipedia page, the miracle on ice, memorable baseball moments has its own subsection Monday Night Football, NBA on ABC. ABC loses NFL rights. The man was traded for the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Like. That's. Insult the parent company Disney, the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. A cartoon character developed by Walt Disney himself which he lost in 1928, but previously owned by Universal Pictures, now NBC Universal. <laughs> like, 
And I, I didn't realize they uh, they had more of that. Cable writes the Friday night coverage of the next four Ryder Cups, which was in 2006. Uh, increased usage of Olympic highlights. Why is that not? That's dumb. And giving Oswald the lucky rabbit back, sure. Like, that's very clearly a Disney character. But, like, one of the least interesting things about this man's career is that he was effectively traded for the rights to a cartoon rabbit. The precursor to Mickey Mouse. That is one of the least interesting parts of this man's career. Heck, three years into his national career, he got Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes. Like, one of the most iconic calls in sports history. Like, Al Michaels, it's time to hang it up. You have more than earned it. But, yeah, I'm... I'm happy the Rams won. Matt Stafford absolutely deserved it. And... I mean, Rams fans... Enjoy it while you can, because basically your entire team are free agents. And your coach said he might retire at 36. I mean, dude's got enough money to just live the rest of his life more than comfortably. Like, if if Sean McVay retires at 36, I wouldn't blame him at all. Football coaching's a stressful job. And he doesn't want to be Bill Belichick. I, I don't get the feeling he wants to be Bill Belichick. Just a cranky old man refusing to answer questions from the media. And they also don't have a first round pick again until... When, when do the Rams next... <laughs> Rams next... Rams next first round pick is the... T- Rams set to go seven straight years without a first-round pick. Oof. So, yeah, they don't have a first-round pick. Uh, Let's see. Coming in... Okay, the Rams are trading two first-round picks to the Lions, reportedly coming in 2022 and 2023. They didn't have a first-rounder last year. They don't have one this year and next year. And they haven't had a first-round pick since 2016. So between 2017 and 2024, the Rams will have not made a single first round pick. They don't have another first round pick for two years. I hope the Super Bowl was worth it. Now, if Matt Stafford is declining or has signed somewhere else in those next two years, The draft class two years from now is projected to be absolutely incredible, especially at quarterback. So hopefully you suck just enough to get a good quarterback in two years. And, but I don't know if uh, your fan base will be too happy with that. I mean, I I hate Stan Kroenke as much as the next guy, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Rams do in about a month once free agency starts. Because uh, their entire core is basically unrestricted free agents or is just straight up retiring. And I can't blame them. Like, pull a Ray Lewis. Just go, 
just pull a Ray Lewis and go out on top with a Super Bowl ring. Pull like think about it. John Elway, Ray Lewis, and um Peyton Manning have all done it, have all gone out with a Super Bowl on their ring finger. In the case of in the case of Lewis and Manning, it was their second, but like if you go out as a member of this Rams team after this, especially some of the older guys, I would not blame you at all. You have accomplished everything. Like Matt Stafford has accomplished everything he needs to accomplish in the NFL. Like despite some of the haters online saying, Oh, he's not a hall of famer. Dude is a hall of famer. Just because the voters like him, he may not get in first ballot, but dude's a hall of famer, especially if he, if he can keep this team together and he goes out and wins another one, which if the Rams keep the band together and Sean McVay doesn't t- retire, they're more than capable of winning another one in the next couple of years. It's uh, like if, if Matt Stafford wins another one, he is a Hall of Famer. Like, I think he already is because dude has had an incredible career playing for an absolutely garbage franchise until this season. So I, I think... I think the dude's a Hall of Famer. I mean, if Calvin Johnson is a Hall of Famer, which he is, I think he's already been inducted. <laughs> like, Matt Stafford's a Hall of Famer. Because like, Calvin Johnson didn't actually have that long of a career, but he put up insane numbers in Detroit. Like, he's earned it. They both have. On the Bengals side of things, uh, they should have one focus and one fe- focus only this offseason. Their offensive line. Their offensive line is an absolute disaster. Everywhere else, they're good. They're good at quarterback. They're good at receiver. They're good on defense. Just get an O-line. Now, as a fan of a rival team in the same division as them, do I want them to get an O-line? Absolutely not. Playing against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase for the next decade twice a year is already going to be bad enough. I don't need a Joe Burrow with time throwing to a Jamar Chase who has time to well and truly get open. Just saying. But let's talk about, let's talk about everything else around the game. Uh, The commercials, they all sucked. There were very few memorable commercials outside of the Marvel stuff. Like, the Multiverse of Madness trailer looked absolutely incredible, and that movie is going to be an absolute acid trip, and I can't wait. And the Moon Knight teaser, same thing. That show is that show is going to be a ride, and I'm very excited for it. I'm, I'm very excited for both of these Marvel things, and it was nice to uh, let the nerd out a little bit while also watching the Super Bowl, even though I had Halo playing on my laptop at the same time. Multitasking. We'll get to Halo later in the show, too. (laughs) But most of the commercials sucked. Um, All of them were either for crypto or electric vehicles. Now, I think crypto is a joke. I'll just put that out there. I think crypto, I think NFTs, I think all of it is a big fat fucking joke. Like, it, no matter how many times I have tried to figure out what cryptocurrency is, 
I have never been able to wrap my mind around it. And I know I'm not alone in that. And NFTs are even more ridiculous because it's just a fundamental lack of understanding of how copyright works. And most of the people who invest in NFTs are kind of assholes about it. The electric vehicle commercials did not bother me because I honestly think once they are, once they a have more range and two aren't so prohibitively expensive, they are going to blow up. If, if rural ass Christiana mall has multiple electric vehicle charging spots, like I know there's a Tesla dealership in the mall so, of course, there's going to be, like, electric vehicle parking spots. But there's the EV spots all around that mall. And I would consider Newark, Delaware, pretty freaking rural. I know it's right off 95 in between D.C., Baltimore, and Philly. And, like, that is also technically in between New York and D.C. And that's what they wanted for. And that's a whole local Delaware politics thing. But if rural-ass Christiana Mall has that many electric vehicle spots... It's on the verge of going boom. Like, there is an electric Silverado. There is an all-electric Silverado on the horizon. Even if it's all-electric, a Chevy Silverado is not going to be that expensive. It's really not. Now, I don't know what the range on that thing is going to be. Hopefully it's reasonable. I mean, give once once we have a semi-affordable electric car with a range greater than 350 miles, because that's about the distance I can actually if even if it has a range approaching 350 miles, because that's about the different distance between my house and Lynchburg, Virginia. If I could get down to Liberty on a single charge, we're good. Because right now, I can get to Liberty on a single tank of gas in either a sedan or an SUV. This is a tangent of a conversation, but it's a discussion of the commercials and what I saw on Twitter during the game. Crypto, I'm I'm completely out on. I don't like crypto. I don't like that they're doing Super Bowl commercials now. And most of their commercials were not good. Most of their commercials were very not good. The EV commercials, they were actually okay. And of course you had, of course you had the, what the hell am I watching Doritos commercial? Because that is a tradition unlike any other. And you had the Clydesdale commercial. Like, hard hard to top Clydesdale. And they've also added dogs to the mix in recent years. So it's it's kind of hard to beat that one. But most of the other commercials, I don't really remember. Because they weren't that good. Bring back good Super Bowl commercials. They're incredibly expensive. Why do they all suck? Oh, the Lays one. The Lays one with Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen was very funny. I can't stand Lays the potato chips, and that might get me canceled, but Utz chips are superior. Fight me on this. Lay's as a chip suck, but that commercial was very funny. 
I mean, it's hard to not be funny with Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen, but that commercial was absolutely hilarious. That was a good one. That was about it, though. Most of the other commercials made no sense. <laughs> I I have uh, I have mostly forgot I have forgotten most of them, honestly. Because I remember. Yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was a thing. But get better commercials next year, people. Get better commercials. Hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully that will actually happen. I doubt it, but get some better commercials next year, companies of the world, mostly companies of the U.S., but yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for the NFL. How? Wh- what are your guys' overall thoughts on the season? Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Discord. You know the drill. Link in the show description. But that's what I got for the NFL. Up next, uh, we have to get into it. I didn't want to, but there's too much here to not talk about. We'll uh, get into the mess that is baseball right now. That's coming up next here on the mashup. All right, welcome back. And uh, let's start this segment off what we, with what we are all thinking. Every baseball fan on planet Earth is thinking this. Fuck you, Rob Manfred. There, got that out of the way. There will probably be several more of them during this segment. Just letting you know. So, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. Tuesday, when I am recording this. They didn't, because we're still in a lockout situation. I remember about a year ago, me and John campaigned for Mark Cuban to get a bunch of his rich friends together and start his own baseball league. Now is the time to do so. If anyone has a lot of money and several rich friends and you want to start your own baseball league to compete with Major League Baseball, now would be the time to do so. Just my worst Jeff Probst impression ever. But it's true. It's time. It's well and truly time for someone to step up and try to compete with Major League Baseball. Just do it. Like, honestly, competition leagues... Competition leagues were a thing in like the 60s and 70s and all of them eventually flopped and just merged with the bigger league. The AFL, the ABA, the WHA, everything. Like all three of them eventually just merged with the bigger league because they realized having two is a bad idea. So hopefully this other league would take over Major League Baseball. Because that is what should happen. Because they are clearly not capable of running things themselves. They all suck. But we're still locked out. There's no real end in sight, like, at all. Let's just, uh, let's just take a look at... Jeff Passan's Twitter, my my source for like any and all things baseball. 
at least nationally. I, I have my own Orioles sources, obviously. Yeah, the MLBPA has rejected past offerings from MLB that would agree the league can control the number of domestic minor league playing jobs. Thank God. Because this was... This is so stupid. Currently, here, this is all from Jeff Passan. Currently, teams can roster 180 domestic minor league players. That's plenty. The league is seeking the ability for the commissioner's office to reduce it to below 150, but could add to the number two. Right now, sources says two teams have fewer than 150, while five teams have more than 180. Okay. While the MLBPA represents only major leaguers, it does bargain for a number of amateur minor league issues. Among those, the draft. Uh, the union proposed the union in July proposed a 20 round draft, something that the league accepted. One of the few points on which they've agreed during negotiation. Yeah, there's no progress going right now. And now they want to cut down minor league again. The, the only possible explanation is Rob Manfred hates baseball. That is the only possible explanation. Oh, yeah, we need to add a pitch clock, like a shot clock in basketball. No. Oh, yeah, we need to start extra innings with a runner on second base so the game doesn't take as long. Fuck no. Oh, yeah, we need robot umpires. No. Rob Manfred objectively hates baseball. That is the only explanation for why he's so absolutely terrible as a commissioner. If you make Gary Bettman and Roger Goodell both awful commissioners in their own right, Bettman just desperately trying to keep a doomed franchise alive in Arizona, a doomed hockey team alive in Arizona by having them share a 3,000-seat arena with a college team who was ACH at, who was not even in the NCAA less than 10 years ago. And they're all idiots. Every, they're all idiots, all three of them. Adam Silver is the only one with kind of a brain, and he's not been doing great the past couple of years. He's just by far the best of the four. Ugh. God, I hate this guy. I, I don't hate Batman the same way I do Rob Manfred. I just think Batman's an idiot. Rob, like, I thought Bud Selig was bad. Then, then Rob Manfred happened. This dude is so desperate to reshape baseball in his own image, he's actively killing the sport. I hope the owners are smart enough to oust him, but they won't be. Like that that's what the that's what the union should say. The MLBPA is the most powerful players union in sports. And it's not close. They have more power than the other three players unions combined. They could say th this is what the MLBPA should say. We don't come back to the negotiating table until Rob Manfred is no longer commissioner. I mean, that's dropping a bomb, but 
for the good of the game, it's worth it. Like, for the good of the game, for the good of these guys' livelihoods, that's what they should say. We will come back to the negotiating table when Rob Manfred is no longer commissioner. Do it. Like, that would be that would be such a power play. The owners would have no choice. The owners would have no choice but to get rid of him. And I know it's an extreme measure, but honestly, I think it's worth it. I 100% think it's worth it. The, the dude does not have the game's best interest at heart. Because what is, what is the job description of the commissioner of baseball? Commissioner of baseball. Let's see. So he's been, he's been commissioner for, he's been commissioner for seven years. Let's see. The title commissioner, um, yeah, it's hard to find the actual description of the office. Let's just see. Let's see if, here it is. Commissioner of baseball job description. Okay, the Commissioner of Baseball is the title of the highest office in Major League Baseball. Under the direction of Commissioner, the the office hires and maintains the sports umpiring crews and negotiates marketing, labor, and television contracts. That's it? That's really it. That's absolutely insane, but... It should be like, it should be include like your, your, your title is on the world series trophy It is the commissioner's trophy, which is a dumb name for a championship trophy, but I digress. It's, it's insane that the man who holds that office is this bad at it. Just get him out of there. And of course, not to mention On the same day that pitchers and catchers were supposed to report, we're also getting the Tyler Skaggs-Eric K trial. Which, um, yeah. That's, that's not good. Let's just... Let's just look at, let's just look at some of this horrific stuff. We have multiple different players testifying that this guy, Eric K gave them oxytocin and oxycodone. Matt Harvey said Matt Harvey was the first player to take the stand. Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey was forced to testify. He was, he was, he received a compulsion order, meaning he was forced. Uh, He's been friends with Skaggs and discussed oxycodone use when they became closer in spring training of 2019. 
Uh, he said Skaggs showed him a bag of with five pills at one point. Harvey also acknowledged past use of cocaine. Wonderful. Matt Harvey said he shared Skaggs, asked him for Percocets and Oxycodone. He gave him Percocets. He gave him Oxys. Uh, they were getting them all from Eric K. Uh, multiple different players have said this. Matt Harvey said that. CJ Kron said that. Uh, Michael Morin, same thing. Tyler Skaggs introduced him to that possibility. Yeah, this is... This is... Yeah, this is bad. This is really bad. One of... A, a former new Mets ace. So the ace pitcher in a major market who helped take his team to the World Series was just using cocaine in the freaking dugout, which is a horrifying thought. He admitted to that. Like, it's... So already baseball was in a bad spot, and now just all of the dirty laundry is getting aired. And good. Honestly, good. Like, MLB's culture is toxic as all hell. And thank God all this is finally coming to light. So hopefully we don't have another Tyler Skaggs situation. But man, th this is only going to get worse. Today was, today, Tuesday was just the first day of the trial. They're going to, they're going to start. When, they're going to restart Wednesday morning at uh at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. I'll I'll try to follow along on Twitter with what I can, but a lot of it is in legalese. So it, it's hard to completely decode it, but from what I can tell, Eric K is in some deep shit, which he deserves to be in because he was just like handing out pain pillars like candy to most of major league to a good portion of major league baseball, apparently. So, uh, yeah, just overall, just a great day for baseball. Let's, let's give a round of applause for baseball. And a once again, hearty fuck you to Rob Manfred. It got a little heavy there, but it's, it's what needs to be talked about. Hopefully we actually have a baseball season this year. We'll, uh, let me know what you guys think. Same thing. Twitter, Discord, down in the show description. We'll uh, switch things up and get into a much more positive thing to happen in the past few days. A very exciting weekend in the CDL. It's coming up next here on The Mashup. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's get a little more positive, shall we? I know that uh, that baseball segment was a little intense, but it needed to be said. So let's let's switch things up and uh, talk some COD League. It was a good weekend in in COD League, like top to bottom. It was a good weekend. Like you had a couple close series that probably shouldn't have been. Like, and Optic got the bounce back they desperately needed against Paris, where they just kind of 
they they took care of business against against Paris. Clearly the better team. Hopefully they're going to get back on track cuz uh they only have they have what? <laughs> Two games left before the uh and one of them is against Toronto. <laughs> Oof. One of them is against Boston, which I think they can handle. That's that's Sunday afternoon against Boston. I think they can handle that. But yeah, they uh they're in an interesting spot. They're still in the top eight, but it's it's precarious because they're technically tied with Minnesota. They just hold both tiebreakers in the form of a a win over Minnesota and uh game percentage. Oh no, they lost to Minnesota. I, I'm surprised head to head is not the first tiebreaker. <laughs> That's very weird. That that's weird that head to head is not the first tiebreaker in the CDL. But it was a good weekend. Like I was I was working on Saturday, so I didn't get to see any of the Saturday games, but other than Thieves Mutineers going to five, the results are about what I expected. <laughs> the results are very much what I expected. Like LA Thieves still got the win, because they just from the looks of uh the round scores, they they turned it on on the last two maps and were like, oh yeah, we're supposed to be good. The team I can't, the two teams I can't figure out right now are LA Gorillas and London Royal Ravens because like London got, or LA G got absolutely stomped by Toronto. Actually, no, they really didn't. It was like, Actually, no, I think they might be good because they put up a ridiculous fight against against Toronto, like the 245 to 239 on Bocage. Man, Bocage hardpoint. That ended in time expiring twice this weekend, both of those matches involving Toronto. Like, Toronto, Florida was even crazier because it was 221 to 220 and they just kept like scoring points and contesting on that final point. That was, that was wild. If you haven't seen that one, go back and watch that. And they scored one point. They score. They Toronto takes the lead. Florida jumps on to contest, but they can't get the kills quick enough. Map time ticks down to zero and, and Toronto wins by one. This is literally this has to be the closest 3-0 in the history of COD Esports because they lost Hardpoint by one. They lost Search by a round. They lost Control by a single round, yet they still technically got swept. That sucks. That sucks for Florida because them and Toronto were basically evenly matched that entire series. It's just... There's no ties. You can't tie on a map. I mean, I guess you can tie on hardpoint. It's just really freaking hard. And that was the last game of the weekend. That was right before the Super Bowl. And it was really good. I felt so bad for Florida after that series was over, though. I felt so, so bad for Florida after that series was over. It's like, oh, you guys have just had a rough weekend. Like, you put up a tough fight against LA Thieves on Saturday. And you force, you, you push them to five games. Heck, you were up to one 
after control. And then you just kind of blow it. And then you get swept in the closest sweep in COD Esports history. London, I have no idea what's up with them. I can't tell if they're good or not. Because they did initially put up a fight against LAG and they did win control rather convincingly. But I mean, Berlin hardpoint is weird. Most of the maps in this game. I don't know why Berlin is a hardpoint map because it's so insanely massive. Like I thought Berlin was going to be this game's Miami where it's only, it it probably will be once they add other like medium sized maps. Like, like if a raid sized map gets added to the pool, Berlin's not going to stay a hardpoint map. It's, it's going to be just a search map. It's just too big to be a hardpoint or a control map. Yet it's in all three game modes. I don't know why. That map is huge. Why do you have a map that big in the hardpoint pool? I, I kind of get it for control, but even then. And Gavutu control is just garrison, where if you win an offensive round, you, you're probably going to win the series. Just because it's so absolutely impossible to win offense on that map. Control's already a defensive-sided game mode. Gavutu just so heavily favors the defense, it's not even funny. But one, and I have, there's there's one other thing I noticed in that Toronto-Florida game. The commentators. Brace and Trin, never seen these guys before. Don't know who they are. They come in, I'm like, who the heck are these guys? And one of them has a stuffed owl perched on his shoulder. And he, I'm tired of the superb owl joke. um, Because one, nerd versus not nerd is a false binary. Like, you can do both. Me and this show are proof of that. Heck, or if you want someone a little more famous, Travis freaking Willingham... Former college football player, now CEO of Critical Role. Like, still absolute, absolutely massive man. Like, you can tell he played college football. But he's also the CEO of a company that produces a D&D show on Twitch every week. So, like, it, it's nerd versus not nerd. False binary. Like, you can be both. It's the whole point of this show. But I know they aren't American, so I kind of get the joke, but it, it fell flat. It fell flat with me. I was like, oh, that's that's really bad. But then they started calling the game. I was like, these guys just sound like soccer commentators doing Call of Duty, and I like it. Like, John is the one who pointed that out to me, but it's true. Like, these guys just sound like soccer commentators who were doing Call of Duty, and hopefully... The CDL promotes them to be the number two team behind Miles and Chance because no disrespect to Lando and Study, I just don't like them. Like, there is a reason they were the number three team for the past two years. Once, you know, Momo and that other guy got fired for, you know, being terrible people. Well, I don't think that other guy was a terrible person. I think his contract just didn't get renewed because he was Momo's duo. And he would play with Chance, and he would call with Chance, and he wasn't as good as Miles. Miles is just, you know, better. 
Like right now, Miles and Chance, they're the number one duo in the CDL without question. They are the number one casting duo in CDL. Bryce and Trent should be number two. And then Lando and Stubby. And, and honestly, I know he's good on the desk, but put Veli in the booth. Like the man oozes charisma. Let him in the booth. He's great on the desk, but he's kind of held down by, uh, he's kind of held down by Allie just trying to do an American Lottie impression and it doesn't work. And study just having absolutely zero personality. <laughs> or not, not study nameless. Study doesn't have much of a personality either. He's getting better, but nameless is just, nameless is just so flat. <laughs> Like, Veli is held down by the two of them. <laughs> and it's a shame, because I really like him. Like, he's so good on the desk. But it's, uh... It's gonna be... It's gonna be an interesting weekend. Because there's a couple, like, actual banger matchups here. <laughs> like... LA Thieves versus Paris Legion, that's not going to be. That's going to be an easy 3-0 for LA. Atlanta versus Minnesota should be fun. Toronto versus Optic Texas should be incredible if Optic actually plays up to the level we all know they're capable of. Seattle versus Florida should be fun just because Florida put up a fight against two of the best teams in the league, even if the scoreline doesn't show it. So I want to see what they can do against another, you know, top three team. NYSL versus Boston, that's just a fun budding rivalry, even if neither team is necessarily all that good right now. Because uh, New York doesn't look good with the new guy. Uh, Royalty, he he was not ready for the CDL. There, there's a reason the dude's been bouncing around the AMC for seven years. Without, without a real chance to without a real crack at the pros. There's clearly a reason because he just wasn't doing it for them in that series against LA thieves or not LA thieves against um, Seattle and LA thieves. Actually, no, it was, it was a series against LA thieves. I, my brain is scrambled a little bit. If you couldn't tell uh, Minnesota rocker versus LAG, that should be, that should be pretty fun. LA Thieves versus Toronto Ultra is the prime time is the 7:30 game on Saturday. That's going to be that's going 5. That that is 100% going 5. London versus Seattle, that'll be a big like benchmark game for London. I think Seattle wins, but if London puts up a fight, I'm more likely to buy into them. And Atlanta versus NYSL, um that was clearly made the marquee match at the beginning of the season before we knew NYSL were going to suck. Uh, I think that one goes four. Like, NYSL wins control just to force four, and then they get stopped on map four hard point. That's that's honestly just my opinion, but have you seen anything to tell me I'm wrong? NYSL's not that good this year. They they need to they need to figure it out. I don't know what it is, but they need to figure it out. And and then that's it. NYSL versus FaZe is the last game before we're back on LAN at the Optic Major. And as it stands right now, in the first round, Atlanta would play Optic. 
if if this if this weekend were not happening and the major was next week because there's a week in between the last qualifier and the major if if we just went with the standings right now the first round matchup <laughs> would be Atlanta versus Optic uh 4v5 uh Toronto versus Boston that'd be interesting 3v6 so London versus LA Thieves I, I think LA Thieves would win that one and 2v7, which is Seattle versus LA Gorillas. I never thought I'd see the day where LA Gorillas are ahead of Optic Texas in the standings. And Optic is just barely hanging on to top eight. And then loser of loser of Atlanta versus Optic would play Paris in elimination in the first elimination match. Loser of loser of Toronto, Boston would play New York or no, not New York. They would play uh, Minnesota. Loser of three, six is uh, London, LA thieves would play, would play team 10. That's uh, that's Florida. So loser of that game would play Florida and loser of two, seven would play, uh, Loser of Seattle LAG would play would play New York. Oh. Yeah, that's uh that's some interesting combinations. But I I think there will be some shakeup in the standings this weekend just based on based on the schedule. But right now, Atlanta versus Optic as a first round match as the 1 versus the 8. That would be really fun cuz I think on land with the home crowd at their backs, Optic could 100% win that. I honestly do. So, honestly, Optic might want to hold on to that eight seed so they get, like, because if if that's the case, that is the first match of the tournament. Just assuming you start with the top of the bracket, which would make logical sense. Just assuming you start with that, the one versus the eight. And you have Optic versus FaZe in front of the entire green wall in Arlington. Oh my god. That would be a clean sweep for Optic. And it would be amazing. I would love to watch that. And Optic Socials, they're like Optic creators like Hex and Hitch are starting to post pictures of the arena for, for the major, and it looks incredible. So uh, hopefully, hopefully this is going to be, I think this is going to be a really good tournament just because there's been so much parody in the CDL this year, but one more weekend of qualifiers. Then we, uh, then we wait a week and we've got the tournament itself. And of course I will be here to uh, break it all down, but up next, we got one other tournament to talk about. HCS Anaheim was also really good despite, you know, some of their most important games happening at the exact same time as the Super Bowl. But hey, I was watching both because I can multitask. Thank you, ADHD. <laughs> we'll get into that up next here on The Mashup. All right, let's get into some Halo before we wrap up the show. And HCS Anaheim, I have to say, was pretty good. Not having a crowd 
made this tournament kind of suck. Tournament kind of sucked without it. Or I thought it was going to be absolute garbage without a crowd. It turned out to be halfway decent. But like. I get why. I get like it was during the Super Bowl. There probably wouldn't have been a huge crowd there, but you would have drawn people. You you honestly would have drawn people. I 100% believe that. Like it's. It's just like it's Halo. It it would have drawn people and Super Bowl tickets are prohibitively expensive. So you would have drawn people on Friday and Saturday at the very least. I know why they canceled it because they wimped out because of Rona. But it's uh, it was overall a good tournament, like not having a crowd there to maybe cheer on. Heck, not having the green wall there to uh, rally rally optic definitely hurt a little bit uh not having a crowd there too i feel like i feel like a crowd would have absolutely hated e united just because i i did not like them i don't like the way they play they play very passive I, and and rynoob just plays like a freaking pest it it drives me insane like, i i did not like that But I was I was right about We Love Anime getting signed. They got signed by uh, Esports Arena, which is a shame that they had to change their name right before the tournament. But they had they had an okay showing. I mean, they didn't finish last in their group. That was Oxygen. Oxygen got bounced basically immediately. Poor complexity. <laughs> Complexity also went 0-3. <laughs> you feel like a big org with that kind of money would be a little bit better. But they were also stuck in a in a pretty stacked group. I don't know what the heck happened to Space Station. Like, I know they lost Tusk. Because he... Didn't he go to Complexity? No, where did... Where did Tusk go? Because I know he, he was at this tournament. the heck was he playing with that's very strange i i know he was there huh that's weird but wait was he with oh he was with g2 that's right he was with g2 and g2 were a lot better <laughs> like poor space station they had formal on their team for a while they were kicking ass with him they were making great runs then they lose him right before anaheim so they go and sign Tusk, who ends up going to sign... They bring on Tusk, who ends up signing with G2 instead, and going on an actually decent loser's bracket run. Like, they made it all the way to loser's quarters, and then got run over by Sentinels, because, you know, Sentinels are really good. <laughs> Hopefully... Because I think I think with a the crowd there, E United would have been hardcore villains. I think Sentinels might have been too, just because of Royal Two and you know the router. But it uh, it it would have been it would have been it would have been interesting 
had a uh, had a crowd been there. Obviously, same thing with the Saturday games here. I was working, so I didn't get to watch a lot of them. But I feel like same thing. Like these are about what I expected. I expected Sentinels to beat United, but they they play such like a passive pest game. Sentinels didn't really know what to do with it, and that kind of sucks, but what can you do? And then they ran into the kind of the buzzsaw that is Optic. Like I I think I think there's a few teams here that can make some noise at Kansas City because all of top eight qualified. Cloud Nine, E United, FaZe Clan, G2, Optic, Pioneers, Sentinels, and Xset. That's eight teams from North America, which I love that we get eight. Europe gets five. <laughs> or no, Europe get Europe gets four. Mexico gets three and eight and um Australia Pacific gets uh gets one. <laughs> and then the open bracket also gets four. Which uh let's be honest, that will probably be a majority North American teams because this tournament is in Kansas City. So it's probably going to be mostly North American teams playing in the open bracket. It's uh but this this is I think I think Kansas City's going to be really fun. But Anaheim of course ended the way most of us expected with Cloud9 coming out on top in relatively dominant fashion with a 4-2 win over Optic. They were like Optic put up a fight same with like honestly same with Pioneers back in uh back in Winners uh semis. Like in in Winners semis Pioneers put up a fight against Cloud9. Then Cloud9 remembered, wait, we're better than this, and and kind of took it to them. I, 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 even though I know they represent Kansas City and I hate the Chiefs, I am a fan of the Kansas City Pioneers. I, I really am, because they're really fun to watch. They're, pardon the pun here with their logo, constant dark horses at every tournament they're at. And... They're they're just fun to watch. They're really good. They're from a smaller org that honestly should be partnered HCS. Like, partner them. You will see results from it. <laughs> and they're playing better than SSG, aren't they? Like, they qualified for Kansas City. SSG did not. Fnatic didn't either. Which I honestly thought G2 and Fnatic were European teams. Apparently just Navi is a European team. Which is weird to think about. I mean, I feel like they'll get in from Europe just because they're by far the best team in Europe. But it was it was a good weekend, and I'm glad the final happened after the Super Bowl ended. Like the game was coming down to the wire and I looked over at my laptop and I saw the countdown was for 10 minutes. I was like, Oh, perfect. I don't have to focus on this at all until that game is over. And, uh, it's exactly what happened. Super Bowl ended. I watched the trophy presentation and shortly after that cloud nine versus optic in the finals started. And, uh, it was, it was very good timing on their part. Even if, I really think this tournament should have just been this coming weekend. 
where it would have been the only thing going or it would have been like one of the bigger things going. But hey, that's uh that's that's neither here nor there. I I don't make the HCS schedule. But th those are my takeaways. Those are my takeaways from the tournament. Cloud9 is still significantly better than everyone else. Uh, e United are going to be big time villains for a while. I, I just get that vibe from them. Like if I, as of right now, I'm still going to Orlando. I obviously haven't booked tickets or anything yet. But as of right now, I am planning on going to Orlando in September. So hopefully I won't be alone in booing E United at HCS Orlando in seven months. But it's, uh, it's like that. That was my big takeaway is cloud nine is still much better than everyone else. Even if the gap is closing, Kansas city pioneers deserve to be partnered and should be before, you know, a major in their home city. And I, I really don't like E United. Th those are my big three takeaways from the entire weekend. And SSG needs to just figure it the hell out because they should have gone much deeper in this tournament than they did. I know they got stuck in a tough group, but they they should not have finished fourth. They they should not have gone zero and three in that group. They they were more than capable of finishing third because G one are not that good. They got beat by oxygen in the first losers round. Like they're not that good. But what did you guys think of uh, HCS Anaheim? If you watched any of it, because you know, going up against the Super Bowl. Let me know. Twitter, Discord, you know the drill. Link in the show description. But that's what I got for the show this week. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And uh, talk to you guys next Wednesday. See you then. The ball is ticked. And there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it shows. In one shining moment, it's all on the line. In one shining moment, they're frozen in time. But time is short, and the road is long. In the blinking of an eye, that moment's gone. And when it's done, your best cause inside you knew that in one shining moment you reached deep inside one shining moment you knew you were alive feel the beat of your heart feel the wind in your face it's more than a contest, it's more than a
visit your face Cause inside you know Shine. 